The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum. Welcome to another edition of Friday Night Live on Friday, the first of March, two thousand and nineteen. And I'm your host, Abdul Akbar, live from Inspire FM Studios here in Luton. Going out to the good people of Luton and surrounding areas tonight, and also to the good people of Sheffield, Nottingham, Derby, and Peterborough through our partner stations across the nation. Don't forget, you can call throughout any time of tonight's uh, program. Oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two. We do have an action-packed show lined up for you coming up. In a moment, we'll be talking about Pakistan versus India. And of course, the latest news coming out of the newswire is that the captured Indian pilot has been handed back by Pakistan uh, late, uh, just literally this evening. Uh, wing, the wing commander was handed over to Indian officials on Friday at only the legal border crossing with Pakistan. Minutes earlier, the pilot said on Pakistani TV that he was very impressed by the Pakistani army. My question to you tonight, was it right for Imran Khan to release the Indian fighter pilot? That's my question to you tonight. 01582 Now we know that there has been a dogfight of aircraft between the Pakistanis and Indians uh, over the last few days, we also know that Pakistan has closed the Pakistani airspace over the last two days, and that has been affecting multiple flights that go over Pakistani airspace. But my question to you tonight on 01582-481822 is that was it right for Imran Khan to actually return this pilot without any negotiation with India whatsoever. Now we know that Imran Khan said that the pilot's release was a peace gesture to India. But the question is, who started this aggression? Was it Pakistan or was it India? Now if you're on the Pakistani side, you'll say actually no, it was the Indians. It's the Indians that actually blamed the Pakistani government and authorities for the suicide bombing that took place a few weeks ago. And they were blaming Pakistan for harboring extremists and terrorists on the Balakot side of Pakistan. However, Pakistan has been saying we have nothing to do with this. We have nothing to do with these terrorists on our land. Do not attack us. Do not um, penetrate our sovereign borders because we have nothing to do with this. However, what did India go ahead and do? India went ahead and did go into Pakistani borders and did actually conduct military operations on so-called terrorists on the Pakistani side. Now obviously this ensued in a number of dogfights, a tit for tat, and I'm sure you all saw the videos on the social wires of the pilot being captured. Now the question is, did Imran Khan make a miscalculation in giving back this pilot too soon? Or was it right that Imran Khan opened his hand and extended peace to their nuclear neighbor of India. 01582481822. Give me a call to share your perspectives on that. We're going to be speaking to uh, a bunch of guests on this topic. We've got Balakrishna, who's the former chief of the Bureau of Times of India. He's a se- senior journalist, and he'll have a thing or two to say. 
We've also got General Khwaja on the line as well. He'll be joining us in a moment, giving us his take on the situation in Pakistan. And of course, uh, coming up later on tonight's program, we'll be talking to um, the solicitor of Shamima Begum. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about the latest goings on in the case of Shamima Begum. You'll recall that she is one of the so-called ISIS brides, uh, one of the three 15-year-old girls, now 19, who recently gave birth to a baby boy, and she wants to come back to the country. However, our Home Secretary has taken away her British passport and citizenship, saying that she can go to Bangladesh or she can go somewhere else. But she's not welcome back to the UK. We'll be speaking to Shamima Begum's solicitor uh, in around an hour's time. Also, lots of interesting things happening locally in here in Luton. Now, Denby High School, if you've ever been to Denby High School, or you are a student at Denby High School, I'd love to hear from you, 01582 481822, because there is an interesting situation with this school. And if you've been keeping up with the newspapers locally here in Luton, you'll know that um, a teacher has been a bit naughty. In what way? Find out in just over an hour's time on this program. And also, we'll be talking about the inevitable aspect of death in around an hour and a half's time and exactly what happens when we die. Um, yes, uh, some things we know, but some things um, we might not foresee. And we'll be talking to Abbas Shafi, who is a chair of the Central Funeral Service. He'll be talking to us about all the logistics of death and some of the challenges that come with that. So don't forget, you can give me a call on 01582-481822 on the line. Um, and also, don't forget that, you know, this whole Indian story that's been going on between India and Pakistan, if you've just tuned in, you should know that Pakistan has freed an Indian fighter pilot the Indian fighter pilot that they captured after his plane was shot down in Pakistan-administered Kashmir. Now, the wing commander was handed over to Indian officials today at the only legal border crossing with Pakistan. Now, minutes earlier, the pilot said on Pakistani TV that he was very impressed by the Pakistan army. Now, on Thursday, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan said that the pilot's release was a peace gesture to India. Now, India and Pakistan, we know, are both nuclear powers, and they claim all of Kashmir, but each controls only parts of it. And in fact, some parts of Kashmir has even been handed to the Chinese. Now, the pilot is being hailed as a hero in India, with fireworks being set off in um, the capital of Delhi. And also, praising the pilot, the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi said that the nation was proud of his exemplary courage. Are you proud of Pakistan? Are you a Pakistani or are you an Indian? Um, do you think it was right for Imran Khan to actually offer the pilot um, exactly back to India? Is this the right thing to do? 01582-481822 is the number to call. I want to hear from you, especially if you are a Kashmiri. Now that's really important because last week, you'll recall, we had a very passionate conversation on this topic. And, um, you know, we predicted, and don't forget, this time last week, there were no missiles or there were no pilots that have, had been captured. This has all happened in the space of the last seven days. And we predicted on this show that there was an escalation between the two um, nuclear powers. And that's happened. Now the question is, is Pakistan's gesture 
of returning the pilot back to India, the Indian pilot back to his homeland of India, was that gesture premature? Because there is a school of thought out there saying that actually Pakistan should have held on to the pilot and should have used him as a negotiating tool with the Indians. However, Imran Khan, pretty much brand new to um, the premiership, still settling in, still kind of warming up the couches in Islamabad, was he premature to actually offer this peace gesture to these particular um, uh, you know, nuclear neighbor of India? That's the question that I have for you right now on 01582 481 Of course, joining me in the studio is uh, my very special co-host um, of this program. It is, of course, Zafar Iqbal. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. So what's your take? I mean, a lot of people are saying Imran Khan made a mistake. Um, he should not have returned the Indian pilot so soon. What's your take? I think it's a brilliant thing he did, to be honest. I think it's a very kind gesture. Uh, he's shown how big-hearted he is. Uh, and he's shown to the world that, um, you know, Pakistan is not, uh, you know, trying to start a war here. Right. And I think that message has gone quite uh you know, it's quite quite clear um, by this this message, and I think he's been articulating the position of Pakistan quite clearly. It's interesting you say that Pakistan is not trying to start a war, but it's clear that India did penetrate Pakistani sovereignty and actually did you know launch missile attacks on Pakistani soil, and for Imran Khan to take this kind of peace posturing. Is that a very high-risk move? Because it could be construed by the Indians that actually Pakistan may not have the money to fight back or they may not have the ability to fight back and therefore they're using this peace route as almost a cover-up so that um, this doesn't escalate because frankly Pakistan is already embroiled in debt and frankly it can't afford any more debt. Yeah, I think there's, there is a school of thought, and if you watch uh, some of the Indian chan news channels, that's pretty, pretty much the angle they're taking, the fact that Pakistan has relented to international pressure and Pakistan has been forced to sort of hand him over. Uh, I don't think that that is true. I think this is a magnanimous gesture, uh, and I think he's actually uh, created a position for Pakistan for himself as a statesman, uh, to be honest, in that region. Uh, and as a country who's able to sort of and not not uh, basically go for the tick tit for, for tat, um, you know, uh, a small-minded sort of uh, approach, but a bigger, bigger-minded and bigger-hearted approach uh, to draw in, I, I guess, not just the international community but also so India into uh, a more reasonable position where where, where perhaps discussions and, and uh, negotiations could take place. Uh, so I, I think it's it's a uh, uh, you know it's an act of a statesman to be honest. He's done a um, the gesture has been well received by many people in Pakistan and also in India as well. Uh, and I think it's contributed to de-escalation of the, uh, the uh, situation. Well, that time will tell if it's a de-escalation of the situation. And we'll be going to um, General uh, Zia Uddin in a moment. He's on the line live from Pakistan. In fact, we can go to him uh, right now. Uh, General Saab, Salaam alaikum. Thank you so much for joining us. You're live on the radio in the UK here, uh, General Saab. So my question to you, uh, General Ziauddin, is that specifically a lot of people are saying that Imran Khan, our Prime Minister of Pakistan, has actually made a miscalculation 
in returning the Indian pilot this evening. Um, what are your thoughts? What's the general sentiment from the military side in Pakistan? No, I think he took a right decision. And uh, there was no point in holding him back, the pilot. So he he came out with a gesture and with the hope that uh, things will cool down in the region because uh, things were heating up and uh, the war was likely. So I think it was a very, very good gesture and it has been praised all over in the West and all the capitals. And uh, Pakistanis also have appreciated this. And this decision was taken in the joint session of the parliament. So it's basically, it's a parliament's decision. Uh, and Imran Khan just conveyed it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you reckon that Imran Khan did the right thing in actually returning the Indian pilot back to Indian soil. However, what do you think will happen next from the Indian side? Because if you look at the Indian media and even the Western media, which you which you mentioned, um, they are actually call it causing this and calling this an Indian victory and not necessarily a celebration for Pakistan. I mean, uh, Narendra Modi has tweeted literally this evening um, praising the Indian pilot, saying, welcome home, wing commander. The nation is proud of your exemplary courage. Um, is this, and he's saying, Vande Mataram. So he's basically turning this into a celebration. How does that feel from the Pakistani side? No, they have every right to celebrate. They've got his, their pilot back safe and sound. So uh, um, I think they are justified in celebrating. But as far as Pakistan is concerned, they did it in good faith. And we expect that uh, things will cool down and they will appreciate the gesture <coughs> by our prime minister. And uh, now, if they are, uh, I think it's very uh, immature on their side to give credit or discredit to Pakistan and credit to this uh, gentleman, this oh. uh, um, pilot, yeah. for uh, you know, doing all this. But this was basically, I think, uh, a decision by the Pakistani government, and uh, he has benefited from that. Otherwise, he could have been held back. And uh, it could t have taken days for Pan Palace to get him back. So the sure, Indians should sure. be thankful to Pakistan. Understood. Uh, General Saab, just hold the line. Uh, we're going to come back to you in a moment. But listeners, this is Friday Night Live. If you're tuning in right now, you're listening to the voice uh, there of General Zia Uddin live from Pakistan. We're going to go to Balakrishna in a moment who is a former chief of the Times of India newspaper. He's a senior journalist from there, and we really appreciate his time. We'll be going to him in a very, very short while. But uh, latest news coming in from the Newswire tonight is that Pakistan has freed an Indian fighter pilot captured after his plane was shot down in Pakistani-administered Kashmir. Now, the wing commander was handed over to Indian officials on Friday today at the only legal border crossing with Pakistan. Now, minutes earlier, the pilot said on Pakistani TV that he was very impressed by the Pakistan army. Now, on Thursday, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan said that the pilot's release was a gesture of peace to India. Let me go ahead and go straight to Bala Krishna, who's on the line. Uh, he's former chief of Bureau of the Times of India newspaper. Uh, good evening, Bala. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. You're live on the radio here in the yeah. UK. Uh, Bala, just tell us, um, from the Indian side, um, how is this being perceived in terms of the Pakistani gesture to India? 
Uh, well, it is very, very obvious because Pakistan has uh, in the past never released any of the prisoners they have, they have caught. But the, the case of Kulbushin Yadav, who was kidnapped from the Iranian border and then he's still in, in Pakistani custody, and the matter is pending before the, the High Court at the head. But here in this case, there were tremendous international pressure from the United States, from uh, even China, and there's so many other international players that uh, the uh, Pakistan Prime Minister had no choice but to release uh, Wing Commander Abinandan Vartaman. Uh, so do you feel that the, um, uh, Imran Khan actually released the, the Wing Commander, the pilot from India, um, because of pressure, or do you think it was a genuine gesture of peace from Pakistan? No, but, but if it was a genuine gesture, they would have released Kulbush and Yadav also. Mm-hmm. But Kulbush and Yadav are still in custody. They're torturing him and, and extracting confessions from him. And here, in this case also, if you see initially the way they, the scarred his face, the commander's face, they tortured him and made him, recorded all kind of uh, videos, highly humiliating and physically harming him and violating the, the spirit of the Geneva Convention. But I mean, but Bala, subsequently, when sh- there was international pressure. Sure, sure, understood. But surely, you will recall. Yeah, you will recall President Trump. President Trump had stated mm. that if, uh, very soon there will be good news for India. So it is very obvious that uh, beyond the diplomatic pressure was being put on uh, on Pakistan. And finally, it succumbed to the pressure and it had to release uh, the wing commander. Okay, fair enough. Let me go to General Zia Odin, who's also on the line live from Pakistan. Uh, General Saab, I mean, we can hear what Bala is saying. And, you know, this may not be entirely perceived as a peace gesture, but more that Imran Khan and the Pakistani government was just under pressure from not just the Trump administration, but other Western leaders. And, you know, in fact, it, it seems as though that there was some torture involved from the images that we saw of the wing commander. I mean, what, what do you think of that? No, no, there was no torture at all. And I don't want to reply to this man. I don't know his background. And uh, well, he can say whatever he likes. Uh, that's, that's his privilege. And uh, since you are, you are uh, talking in between and you're asking questions... I think uh, it's not fair that you ask me to comment on it. Sure, no problem. I, I appreciate that. So, Bala, let me put this directly to you, which is, you know, you, we have to take a leader for what they are saying. And Imran Khan has clearly said from his authority that this is a peace gesture. And don't forget, I mean, it could be argued that the very reason this pilot was shot down in the first place, Bala, was because he had penetrated Pakistani uh, line of control and therefore he was shot down in legitimate warfare he landed on, on Pakistani territory and he was captured and, and in fact I've seen videos Bala of the Pakistani army protecting him and creating a circle around him have you seen those videos Pakistan army protecting him yeah the, the Pakistan I, I saw I saw Pakistani forces actually protecting and creating a circle around the wing commander and actually protecting him from being hit by the local villagers where he actually landed. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, well, you know, if it's an act of war. When you, when you penetrate a country's uh, borders and you do a, a preemptive act, it's an act of war. So anyway, Pakistan could have uh, responded differently. But this is, uh, I think, a very good gesture. 
that they protected him also and they made sure that he was not hurt because the locals could have done anything on him. Sure, understand. Bala, what do you say to that? I mean, because I, I've personally seen videos that actually well, show... I don't know. I, I don't know why Pakistan is always in, in denial. They have taken video photographs showing him being tortured. You see the picture, the blood coming out of his face kind of thing. And, I, and now they are denying that he was not tortured. They themselves had taken the video clips because they wanted to make a kind of, you know, uh, derived propaganda mileage from this. They tortured him. And where is the cost of being saved? The, the local villagers did try to lynch him. In the first place, I want to make it extremely clear that he had not violated Pakistani airspace. He was, he, 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 he came down on, on what is called as POK, which is Indian territory. Okay, so okay, the well, uh, Pakistan that's, that the, that's, that's probably going to be disputed. He ejected, he ejected from his aircraft. Yeah, I mean, General Saab is saying, Abala, General Saab is saying, and, and I think I agree with this, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible. I think you are being unfair. You are fire. being unfair. He, yeah. You, you are picking fire. me against this he man I fire. don't know. Okay, let, let, let's, let's, let, let's not speak of each other, um, gentlemen. You are being unfair. Uh-huh. So, General Saab is saying that, Bala, you're, you're being a bit but unfair here. The problem here. with Pakistan is that they don't want to face the reality. They don't want to face the reality. All no, no, we denied. do face the reality. They sent terrorists, they, the they sent terrorists. They sent no terrorists to kill 42 of our Jawans, and then you expect us to keep quiet? First, you learn to control your ISI, no? which, is, which has gone totally berserk. You have no control over ISI. Okay, the whole problem is ISI, which is the biggest no, terror organization. Okay, Bala, let, 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 let the general respond. General Saab, go ahead. No, you you are allowing him to carry out a propaganda on a foreign uh, radio. I think it's very unfair. I don't know your background, who you are, and this is not the way that you should have conducted this discussion. No, I mean, General Saab, we, we, uh, we, 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 you know, we want to make sure that everyone gets their say. And I think it's really important that everyone gets the opportunity to, to give their perspective. But Bala, I mean, let me let me come back but to... ISA is controlled. Pakistan is doomed. Yeah, sure. But, but Bala, you have to, we have to be fair here and we have to let each other speak. Can Otherwise... I, can, I just, um, can, I, can I just come in? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, to, to be honest, no, right, but, uh, I was... No, but he can't was, use words like, who are, who are the gentlemen? We can't use words like bullshit. We're on the radio here, Bala. You have to really watch your language here because we ha we might have other listeners calling from uh, li listening from from a younger audience as well. So, Bala, you have to. What nonsense is going on here? Uh, no, calm uh, down. Can I, can I just uh, yeah, add, calm down. just add something here? So, uh, I, I was actually sort of going to give uh, this chap from from uh, Times of India the benefit of doubt because I think. The whole Indian media is rabid, to be honest. I think I don't need a benefit of doubt. Whoever you are, I in, don't need a benefit of doubt. In, in, okay, I don't need a benefit of doubt. Okay, but no, you're, li you're, living, you're living in a cocoon, to be honest, right? In a shell, right? And all the information you're getting uh, is from your biased uh, and I would say rabid media. And I thought you'd be different because the, your title of, of your paper seems to suggest that you are actually a, a serious newspaper. But you are just the same, to be honest, just the same. And you have no idea what's happening outside of your country. I think we're living in the UK, right? We get to see information coming from different angles, right? And we're able to make a judgment. And in this particular case, the facts are, are clear to see for everyone. And I'm just surprised the fact that you're still having that position. You're t talking about... There might have been international pressure. Well, so what? 
That's okay. a good thing. Let, let, yes. me, let me go to Shahid on the line. Shahid, call it. Asalaamu Alaikum, Shahid. Go ahead. Welcome, Sam. Uh, yeah, no, I was actually very much listening uh, to those uh, two uh, guys, and it is really kind of disappointing in terms of, um, you know, they're still going on with the, uh, you know, a war of words of tit for tat. Mm. You know, we should be looking for a solution rather than just accusing each other of, um, you know, this kind of. Uh, you know, you still, it's really unfortunate we still have that kind of mentality. Shahid, hold the line. Let know. me put Bala back on. Yeah. Bala, I mean, the, the, yeah. the feedback that's coming out is, yeah. you know, from, from one of our callers. And he's got a point, which is, this is this sounds very tit for tat. Clearly, the Pakistani side is saying, we want peace. And it sounds like, Bala, you, you don't want that. This is what I'm hearing. Do you want peace, Bala? No, 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 no. But tell me, first do you, do you, you want... First you send terror squad... First, you send a jihadi suicide man right. to kill 42 of our jawans, and then you talk of peace. There's no. a limit to humbug and hypocrisy. I know, but Pilot, let, let's, let's just hear okay, the caller as well. This is not on. I know, but let's, so we this have, is not on. This is an act of war. I understood. And Pakistan understood. will have to pay the price for it. Okay. So it, sound, it sounds like, Pilot, you don't want peace. <laughs> you know, this is very. No, much, no. Of a, you know, uh, it, this is very much kind of a one way street. You just, you know, you know Stay on the line as well. We'll come back to you as well. This is Friday Night Live. It's heating up here in the studio. I hope it's hot where you are. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum. Welcome back to part two of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live on Friday the 1st of March 2019. I'm your host, Abdul Akbar, joined live in the studio here with Zafar Iqbal Saab. We're beaming out live from Luton and surrounding areas tonight and also to the good people of Sheffield, Nottingham, Peterborough and Derby through our partner stations across the nation. Right now, we're talking about the fact that Pakistan has freed an Indian fighter pilot captured after his plane was shot down in Pakistan-administered Kashmir. The wing commander was handed over to Indian officials on Friday at the only legal border crossing with Pakistan. Now, minutes earlier, the pilot has said on Pakistani TV that he was very impressed by the Pakistan army. On Thursday, that's yesterday, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan said that the pilot's release was a peace gesture to India. Live right now on the radio, we are joined by Balakrishna, who is a former chief of bureau of the Times of Indian newspaper. He's also a senior journalist. We've also got online Shahid, one of our callers. I'm going to go straight back to Shahid before I go back to Bala. Shahid, Salaam Alaikum. Thanks for holding on. So Shahid, what's your take then? So it's a very sensitive topic this and um, we had the good general on the line, um, General yeah. Zia Uddin, but um, obviously he was clearly quite 
um, concerned about the coverage that we were playing back and some of the things that he heard. Uh, I do want to say to all of our listeners that we're trying to really cover this topic from a neutral perspective. Of course, many of the people listening to this program are actually from a Muslim background, from a Pakistani background. But it's very important yeah. that we analyze this um, in, in a neutral way so that we can understand both sides as per good journalism and also just neutrality and trying to find the truth. So what's your take, Shahid? Just in, in, in 30 seconds, please. Uh, honestly, I just, we, I just want to see it in a positive light because what Imran Khan has done is, is a very good step in terms of handing over the, mm. uh, the pilot uh, 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 to, to India. I think that's a great gesture for him to do that. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, it's just a gesture of goodwill. But you know what, Shahid? After hearing Bala, I mean, we're going to go back to Bala Krishna yeah. in a moment, but after hearing him, I'm actually thinking that might not have been a good move because if after giving back the Indi- the Indian pilot as a which was meant to be a peace gesture, which you and I and everyone, including yeah. the general that we were talking to earlier, saying is a peace gesture, this is something that we want to create friendship with India. But if people are going to have the response that Bala is having, which is actually you tortured him, he's got marks on his body, he actually landed on Indian soil, etc., 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 maybe we need to think twice. But do you reckon he's going to go to India and say that, okay, here are the marks and this is what the Pakistani uh, army has done to myself? I have no idea. I mean, that's a good question. I have no idea. And, you know, you can, you, you, he, he kind of like very much said, like, you know, what he said on uh, on the Pakistani media, saying he's very much impressed with uh, the way that he got treated by, mm. by the army. Mm. And, you know, he said he's not going to change his statement once he goes uh, to his home soil. Yeah. And um, I, I think, you know, for any country, even other countries like Turkey, other countries are very much applauded Imran Khan for doing that. You know, he said, like, they said, like, you know... It's I mean, but you know what, Shahid? Here's the thing. All yeah. the countries in the world can applaud Imran Khan for doing this. But if India yeah. is not going to change its stance and has a posturing to the one that Bala Krishna well, is really describing, that's a problem, right? Yeah, but that's really disappointing. You know, they're, they're still in, in kind of a, a war mode process. Yeah. What they need to do is really very much calm, calm themselves down and try to look for a solution in terms of what they you know. They really All right, so here, here's what they'll say. Here's what Bala would say. Here's what um, maybe his Indian um, uh, countrymen would say. They'd say, you're sending terrorists to our country. You're blowing us up. You killed 41 Indian uh, military police officers on the Pakistani border. Um, how can we? How can we not be in a war mode? That's what they would say. What, what do you say back? Uh, what I would say is India is not a clean country either. They're very much sponsoring terrorism within Pakistan. Mm. They, instead of like they, they sponsor Al-Qaeda, uh, the MQM leader, they they are very much sure that they did the bombing. So you're saying that India is have, just as guilty as Pakistan for the for that kind of um, uh, absolutely behavior. Absolutely. They, they can. That, that's the thing. That's what I said from the beginning. They're right. very much kind of word. Gotcha. In a war of words. Shahid, we have Shahid. You sound like a really calm, collected guy. Keep, stay that way. Just keep listening to Friday Night Live. I hope you're having a good, good, good enjoying listening to the program. It is a serious Absolutely. program. Um, but stay tuned yeah. and, and thanks for calling. Yeah. I'm going to go to Asad Mahmood on the line as well before I go back to yeah. Bala. Um, Asad, salam alaikum. Asad, what's your take? You've been listening to the program, I assume. What's your take on what you've been hearing so far? Um, unfortunately, I haven't um, had the access yet to um, listen to the program, so if you wouldn't mind us kindly updating me. Yeah, no worries. So I said, I mean, we're talking about obviously the situation with regard to the um, returning of the pilot 
um, that was captured from the Indian side. And, you know, Pakistan just this evening returned the Indian pilot and really, you know, made this gesture of peace. Um, We have heard from Indian representation on this program tonight that actually, um, you know, it may not be perceived as a gesture of peace from the Indian side because Pakistan has been involved, according to the Indians, in lots of terrorist attacks on Indian um, soil. And Pakistan, in fact, he's alleging that even tortured the Indian pilot and he had marks of torture on him. Um, So it's not being received, even though the action may be of peace from Imran Khan and his government, it, that may not be what's being received from the Pakistani side. What say you? Um, I actually completely disagree with that. So if you look at the, the facts on the ground, um, the Indian planes actually entered by casing uh, Pakistani jets into, our, into Pakistan's territory. And when they were shot down, this particular person um, was injured. He was on the floor. And if you listen to his statement, which was said more than on more than once on occasions, mm. that he was actually rescued by the Pakistani army. So, first of all, the allegation that, you know, forges or anything like that is completely untrue. Okay. Can be seen on the videos. Okay. It is verified. Let me take that back to um, Balakrishna, who's on the line, who made this um, accusation. And I think it's not just his accusation. It's actually something common coming out of India tonight. Um, Bala, well, they would say that because they have a history of accusation, maligning, false propaganda, because... Don't, let's not forget, there's a history of an, you know, animosity mm. against that. Regardless of what Pakistan does, mm-hmm. they would always come back. They would always have an answer to every single question. There is just no admitting that for once that, yes, Pakistan did the right thing. We did within 24 hours. I cannot remember in my adult history that mm-hmm. any sitting prime minister has ordered the release of a prisoner of war or prisoner of just capture that they violated our sovereign country's airspace. And we had the courage, the decency to repair that unharmed in condition. Asad Mahmood, understood. Asad Mahmood, understood. Let's go to Bala. Bala, are you there? Yeah, very much. Thank you so much, Bala. So you have the, the line now. So you've heard yeah. some of the feedback from our caller and also from Asad Mahmood, who's from the Office of International Chapters of the um, PTI. Um, what's your take from what you're hearing? Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly there is a gesture of peace from Pakistan, Bala. I mean, is there any kind of um, ability to accept that from, from the Indian side? No, no, it's not that. The question is, why are these people being so selective? Why they are overlooking the fight as to what triggered of the current crisis? The, the whole thing was they sent a jihadi suicide bomber in search of uh, whatever number of virgins in, in heaven to, to blow 42 of our... But that of wasn't our, the government. Uh, the, the, the Pakistani personnel. government has distanced itself from that. They're saying this is, a, this is another group. No, 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 this the, was the not Pakistani the Pakistani always, government. They, they always done it. But 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 the, but every child knows that the terrorists are sponsored by the ISI, which is a state within the state within Pakistan. The ISI is the one which literally calls the shots in Pakistan. Whether it is the uh, Imran Khan's party, Nawaz Sharif's party, whoever it is, it is ISI. Which is called COVID. But then how do you start. how do you and find it is peace? Under the ISI. Mm. But Bala, help me understand this. I, I hear where you're I hear where you're you coming from. You find peace, no, you find peace. You find peace by controlling the ISI. ISI itself has become one of the biggest it is not a non state actor. It is very much a state actor. Jaish Mohammed, it is a very much a state actor. Uh Hizbul Mujahideen, it is a state actor. 
So okay, I the said, first thing is what, Pakistan what about, needs to face the facts. Okay, I said okay, the facts. What about the BLA? What, let's talk about the BLA. Let's talk about the rule. Let's talk about that. How about the fact that they're actively engaged in Balochistan at the moment? How about the fact that TTP that they created for over 15 years destroyed or ravaged Pakistan? How about the fact that in Karachi you have cells, active cells. We caught um, this a Indian spy that was now at the moment in world court. We caught him red-handed. He confessed. So let's not go down this road. That, you oh, kidnapped him. You kidnapped him from the uh, Iran border. Caught, yeah, you kidnapped him from the Iran border. Okay. Well, at least no, you at caught him. You, you caught him. You kidnapped him. You guys didn't capture you, a captain, you, and a, a Pakistani captain from, from uh, Nepal. Well, here we go. We have an admission from um, this gentleman that, yes, we caught him. Yes, of course we're going to capture him. So if a spy comes in, we're not going to capture him. Of course we are. He's destroying our country. So at least you admitted that. So thank you very much for that. Now let's move on. Yes, there is a history. You're absolutely right. And you know what the history is? It's called Kashmir. Until unless you solve that problem, nothing is going to happen. And and the second thing, if you look at the language that um, this present government is using, we, it's never been used in the history of Indian. Like we had um, Prime Minister Atul Bihari Vajpayee, sorry, after that Manmohan Singh, they did not use the kind of language. And you know the kind of language they use? Or until unless terror is eliminated. What is what, what, How can you eliminate terror? Like, uh, it's, it's the kind of language. Only one other country on this planet uses it, and it, the name starts with I, and it is Israel. Okay, so I, I said, Mama, just hold the line there for a second, and Balakrishna, hold the line. This conversation is getting very interesting. I do want to get in lots of callers. We have around 15 calls trying to get through right now, so if you are trying to get through to the show, 01582481822, keep trying, and we will get you on the line. I've got Zishan on line. Assalamualaikum, Zishan. Walaikum salam, brava, how are you? Alhamdulillah, Zishan. Thanks for calling. Zishan, what's your point? Brother, my, I am from Sirinagar. Okay. Wow. I was born there. I migrated a year or so ended up here in Luton now. So, Sirinagar, just it's remind really, me, Sirinagar is on the Indian side, right? Yes, Indian occupied Kashmir. Yeah. I am from there. Mm. You know, outsider, you just talk like a terrorism. And who was the terrorist? He's a Kashmiri guy from Pulwama. He's not Pakistan. He got no connection with the Pakistan. He never been Pakistan. You know, people say he was a training camp. There, there is a thousand of Kashmiri ready to do the same. And we will do the same, you know. We don't care you call us a terrorist or whatever you want. There was a few months before there was a rape cases. Indian army is there. Rape cases, no one is safe there. So what do you expect we're going to do? Hmm. It's a India. India will never tell you Kashmir is doing that because he has to reply internationally like to people what they're doing in Kashmir. They promise us you know, if you check the Jawaharlal Nehru, what he says, they have a statement with the United Nations, 17 resolutions, we're going to fix this Kashmir issue. So Zishan, so, so Zishan yeah. your point is, is that actually the guy, the, the, the so, so-called terrorist that actually committed the bombing a couple of weeks ago, he was actually from Kashmir. He wasn't from Pakistan. No, he's from, you know, Pulwama. Yeah. He's from the local guy. Local yeah, guy. Local there guy. was a rape... There was a rape cases like in his village. There was a rape case. There was a three girls missing. So the Indian media will never tell you those stories. All right, let me get. So, we let me, no let me, so when you heard Bala Krishna speaking there, what do you say to Bala? What's your response? I I got no response because I, unfortunately we Kashmiri believe Indian people they don't have information about. They don't want to read. They are listening just Delhi Prime Minister Narendra Modi will tell them Kashmir story. 
they never they don't know what kashmiri did you know the we have assigned our king maharaja hari singh he signed the treaty with the indians they don't know what was the inside the treaty they are trying to you know the remove the, the article 370 which says india indians are not allowed to buy or live in kashmir Got they it. are trying to do that when whenever they did that because it's a signed agreement that if they re- remove the article there yeah. then we are not part of india all right understood they will never talk understood zishan we got to leave it there but i really appreciate you calling in and sharing your perspectives um as as a kashmiri yourself on the indian uh line of on uh, indian side of control appreciate that um listeners you can call in on 015824818222 if you want to take part in tonight's conversation i just want to go and take the conversation towards um my Michael Kugelman who's joining us right now he's deputy director and senior associate for the South Asia program Michael good evening Hello, great to be here with you. Thanks for joining us. You're live on the radio. Michael, you know what's interesting here is that we're having a very spirited conversation about the India versus Pakistan conflict. Of course, we know this conflict has been going on for decades and it's nothing new. However, over the last few days we've seen an escalation in violence towards the um, you know, hostilities between the Pakistanis and the Indians. However, today you know that Pakistan has freed an Indian fighter pilot that was captured after his plane was shot down in Pakistani administered Kashmir. Just Just tell me Michael from your perspective how does the world see this particular action from Pakistan Well you know I think that, that it's been received very positively uh I think the uh the decision of the Pakistani government to release the Indian pilot was seen by many including here in the United States and in Washington as a useful gesture a a hopeful gesture that could lead to de-escalation um Unfortunately, I don't think we're at a point yet where we could look to an actual off-ramp towards something leading to de-escalation. But um, you know, I think the fact that uh, the government decided to release him so soon after he was captured, uh it was perceived fairly well here. Though at the same time there is a level of um I don't want to say suspicion, but sort of questions as to what actually what motivated the Pakistani government to decide to release uh, the pilot. Could there have been some backhanded or back channel mediation from the international community including the United States to try to work out some sort of deal with the Pakistanis and Indians that would allow Pakistan to release the pilot and and in return India would agree not to escalate I don't know um but yeah. I think there's there are some certainly some questions as to what may have motivated this move Sure I mean and you know is that a is that a fair thing to actually analyze because why not just take the um gesture for what it is which is what Imran Khan said which is a peace gesture to India that's effectively what Imran Khan is saying it's a peace gesture which is why we're giving this pilot back so for um the pakistanis will feel that for um indians and others who are observing this situation to say that actually you know um there is a underlying underlying reason why Imran Khan has afforded this is a little unfair don't you think Well, I mean it it's true that uh I I I my own personal view is that it was a very it was a very good gesture. It was the right thing to do in mean, setting aside what the motivations may have been for it. Mm. Pakistan had they decided to hold on to him, they would have had what could have been used as a bargaining chip. It would have given them the upper hand in this uh, crisis, but uh in that regard I think it was a good thing. And yeah. as you know, the decision to release the pilot came soon after Khan gave a very conciliatory speech and yeah. he essentially called on the two sides to start talking again. So clearly I think the intent has been there on the Pakistani side to try to ratchet things down a bit now. 
Okay, um, um, uh, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Let me get Balakrishna back on the line. So Balakrishna is a former chief of the Times of India, and he's also a senior journalist. Bala, I mean, you've heard our American friend on the yep. line, Michael Kugelman, you know, clearly saying that from the American perspective, this is a very positive thing. Why don't you accept that, sir? See, there is no question of my accepting or, or rejecting. But we as journalists should face the truth. The truth is that Pakistan did not swore more to Imran Khan suddenly decided in a fit of love for passion for peace that I should release the wing commander. He was clearly under pressure from United States and other world nations to release this gentleman who was caught, who was tortured, and the torture films were released by the Pakistanis themselves. It is not anybody's figment of imagination. So now to claim that it was a peace gesture and all, if you are so much interested in peace, why don't you control the ISI, which has become a state within a state, and it is, it is going berserk. Nobody is able to control the ISI. ISI is posting a threat to Pakistan's very existence. It's high time. The thousands of people in Karachi, other places, they come out, they're demanding peace. So unless the ISI is tackled, and the Wahhabi elements within the ISI who are dominating it. Till 1889, there was no problem in Kashmir. It was a land of peace. It is a land of Sufis. The Sufi Islam prevails in Kashmir. But from the time when the Wahhabis entered Kashmir and they started kind of you know, radicalizing the, the youth under the guise of promoting Islam, the whole problem started with that. from Sirinagar is saying that he doesn't want India there. Right, it, they, they want to break away from India. What more do you need? What more evidence do you need? Why do you keep pointing fingers across the border? Right, the people of Kashmir don't want to be part of of India. Full stop. That's where the, everything stops. It's pointless pointing fingers to, at, at Pakistan and saying, "Well, you're sending over this and sending over that." Right, unless people in India, unless you people like you, the journalists, understand that there is a slightly a different story to the one that that you keep repeating again and again. That perhaps you know there are people who think slightly differently. Things aren't yeah, going to change. Absolutely. Let me give Asad Mahmood on this. Asad Mahmood, just for those who sure. are joining us, is from the Office of International Chapters of the Pakistani Tariki Insaf. Uh, Asad, sir, go ahead. Yeah, so essentially, basically, we have to go back, analyze the root of this problem. So it's, it's very good, you know, the Indian government and the hyped up media, you know, glossing over the fact there's a problem here. For over like 60 years or so, India has occupied and tortured and God knows what have they done to Kashmir. Like, obviously, they're going to have repercussions for that. So it's indigenous, like the caller said before, if the guy was a Kashmiri, he did it. Now... India, let's not forget, in about two months' time, the elections, or about a month's time, elections. So obviously they needed, we expected that the Pakistani government already said it a number of times. And Prime Minister Imran Khan, as soon as he was sworn in as the Prime Minister, the first thing he did was reached out to the Indian government and offered a gesture of peace. And to then put it into practice, he, put, he, he opened up the Qatar for, um, opening. He did that. Um, for the minority speaks. But we have to remember, at the moment, mm -hmm. India is a, the India government is a fascist government. They have put pressure or tortured their own Muslims minority. They're not happy with the Sikhs because of the Qatarpu. There was a recent um, killing of a um, Christian man because a Hindu woman wanted to marry him. I'm sorry, a Hindu lady got murdered because she wanted to marry a Christian man. So yeah. the 
at the moment, the minorities are suffering. So to distract the attention of everything, <laughs> they do a false flag. <laughs> what a joke. Did you and have, they, and you have so-called blasphemy and law Pakistan. and, and, uh, and, and that woman, so the Christian, the, the way you hunted her out of Pakistan. Sir, you need to look, look, at, look at your own country, fix the problems first, fix Kashmir first, because you, your own Kashmiris, so-called Indian Kashmiris, they do not like your state. So the problems is within your country. All right, so said, you just want all right, said, let me let me bring um, let me bring Michael Kugelman. Just uh, Bala, we'll bring you back in in a second as well. And I said thanks for your feedback on that, uh, Michael Kugelman. You can clearly see um, there is a large divide and a lot of disagreement between the two sides. Still, um, as somebody from an independent perspective looking into this, what goes through your mind? Well, I mean, uh, of course, this is this is uh, quite expected and understandable that uh, you know these are always difficult issues for the two sides to discuss, and particularly now when uh, you know the two sides are in the throes of a very serious crisis, perhaps the most serious crisis in bilateral relations uh, since uh, you know maybe 1999 mm. when we had the Cargill crisis. Um, you know, my my own take is that um, eventually this will wind down. Uh, you know, I had originally thought, perhaps naively that uh, when the uh, Indian pilot was released, that that would essentially set in motion a de-escalatory path. But it seems to me that um, uh, on the Indian side in particular, I just don't think there's a readiness to wind things down just yet. And how much, uh, and Michael, tell me, how much of this, sorry to interrupt you, but how much of this do you think is down to um, the incoming elections on the Indian side? Is this classic kind of creating kind of war games so that you could prop up the vote towards the Nationalist Party? Yeah, in fact, that's what I was just going to say, that, you know, with an election just a few weeks away, I think that it may be uh, politically untenable to essentially shut things down now and and let uh, Pakistan uh, claim that victory of being seen as the the peacemaker by releasing the the pilot. Um, But... You know, th- there have been plenty of times uh, when India and Pakistan have faced the crisis um, and there was no election uh, and mm. did not stand down. I mean, it's obviously on both sides. There are political um, necessities. It's just obviously does not play well politically yeah. um, for one side to appear that they're going soft uh, toward the other. And particularly now, obviously, the election in India just makes just magnifies that. Absolutely. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. So, Michael Kugelman, I really appreciate your time today. That was Michael Kugelman, Deputy Director and Senior Associate for the South Asia Programme. Thanks for joining us tonight on Friday Night Live. All right, listeners, this is Friday Night Live. we still got on the line Balakrishna from the uh, Times of India, senior journalist, sharing his perspectives. Um, we've also got Asad Mahmood on the line from the Pakistani Darik in Saf. Also in the studio, we've got Professor Zafar Iqbal, who hasn't actually uh, given us any interaction yet because I haven't gone to him, but I will be going to him in a moment as well. There's around 45 people right now trying to get through on the line, so we really appreciate you trying to call. You can call us on 01582 If you've heard the engaged tone, you will get your say tonight on this program. Uh, We are getting lots of WhatsApp messages coming through um, on the line as well. Uh, We have a message from someone saying, Salam, how can you allow this on your radio? You need to get the facts right and shout them up. Um, Bala Krishna is overtaking you on the show. Whoever that was, thank you for sharing that. But I want to hear from you. 01582481822. This station and this show, I'm not about sharing one perspective. Yes, I have my perspective, which I'll share in a moment. But we really need to hear both sides of the coin as well, even if we don't agree. Okay, so we need to get used to that. We're going to hear people on the street uh, whom, whose views we're going to hate. 
Does that mean we cut them off? Does that mean we throw them off the street? No, absolutely not. We hear them. Balakrishna is one such person, but that's okay because on this program and on this show, we allow full inclusivity regardless of the opinion, even if it contradicts our own. We're not on an agenda here. We're here to find the facts and understand the truth. But I appreciate the WhatsApp. Also, somebody else saying that this is Zafar Qureshi from Indian Occupied Kashmir. He's saying the atrocities conducted by the Indian Army in the Indian Occupied Kashmir are beyond any humanity. That's also another message coming in from the WhatsApp. Um, I am going to take more calls. I'm going to go back to my guest, Bala Krishna and also my guest on the line, Asad Mahmood, after these messages. But this is Friday Night Live. It is heating up. We're staying with this topic. Shamima Begum and his solicitor will be on the line in about half an hour's time. But Pakistan versus India. What happens next? Friday Night Live. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to part three of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live on Friday the 1st of March 2019. Wow, is it getting hot here in the studio? Oh my God. Now, of course, we've been talking about a very sensitive topic and we've got lots of you trying to get through on the line on 01582481822. I know that this is a hot topic and I really appreciate my guests um, staying on the line. Of course, we've got Asad Mahmood and we've got Bala Krishna on the line giving their very different perspectives on this issue. I'm going to share my perspective in a bit, but um, some of you may be out there thinking, what's Abdul Akbar doing? Abdul Akbar is not defending us. Hey, I have a perspective, but I'm trying to get everyone's views in so that we can hear your voice and the voice of our guests before I give my perspective on this as well, and that will happen as well. Um, We've also got somebody just uh, messaging right now on the WhatsApp saying, um, you know, um, there, there, there is a lot of um, unfairness happening with this guest. That's okay. I mean, look, everyone's going to get a fair shout. And if you want to speak to Bala Krishna live, 01582481822. And of course, this is all on the back of the fact that Pakistan has freed an Indian fighter pilot captured after his plane was shot down in Pakistan, administers Kashmir. Now, the wing commander was handed over to Indian officials this evening at the only legal border crossing with Pakistan. It was said that the pilot said on Pakistani TV, that he was very impressed by the Pakistani army. Now on Thursday, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan said that the pilot's release was a peace gesture to India. On the line right now, we are lucky to be joined by another guest as well. He is the person who actually WhatsApped in earlier. His name is Zafar Ahmed Qureshi and he's actually from um, Kashmir as well. Assalamu alaikum Zafar Sahib. Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Jazakallah brother, for um, pulling me in yeah, abso- on the line. A- absolutely welcome. Zafar, I mean, you're from Kashmir and you've been listening to tonight's program. What what goes through your mind when you've heard some of the feedback from one of our guests? Um, first of all, I'd like to thank you, really. You've uh, pulled in an interesting uh, list of guests today from all sides. So it's really been an interesting... I just actually heard the last few minutes of your show when I got in the car, so I thought it was really good to get involved. Thank you. Now... Some of the things I heard, one was the perspective on the release of the pilot. I think that was a great gesture from the Pakistani uh, side. And I think that's really, you know, magnanimity of the Pakistani government to take a first step towards the peace process building. I wish India would learn from that and start moving forward into a peaceful resolution. 
So a, a very well done move mm. from, uh, you know, based on a Kashmiri perspective. And I think it's been really well received within the valley as well. Yeah, sure. I think the second question that we had from Balakrishna was that Kashmiris are, uh, you know, Kashmir is an integral part of India. And it's always been, I completely disagree with that. In 1947, when the instrument of accession was signed by the Maharaja Hari Singh, which still uh, remains uh, disputed, uh, its uh, uh, you know uh, validity remains disputed. But that instrument of accession was signed on only three things: communication, defence, and foreign affairs. Nothing else. Right? Mm. Every princely state that chose to accede to either of the dominions, they first signed the instrument of accession and then followed. On that, they signed the instrument of merger when they merged with the Indian uh, Dominion in order to completely merge with the country. For Kashmir, that never happened because the people of Kashmir never wanted to be part of India, neither the Maharaja Hari Singh. He wanted to stay independent, and that's why the standstill agreement was signed, which Pakistan signed quite happily, but India refused. So under the pretext of IOA, the Indian government invaded the Kashmir on 27th of October 1947. And since then, we've had more and more army coming into the valley, occupying uh, places, killing our people. Over 100,000 people have been massacred. And that's since 1989 only. Mm. Um, Mr. Balakrishna's point to say, you know, where he said, oh, there was nothing before 1989. No, it was there. We're going to look at 1953, 1965, 1971. You know, all these wars, all these uprisings have taken place against the forceful occupation of the Indian government. It has never been peace. However, in 1980s, the people of Kashmir wanted to resolve this peacefully. They moved it into a political level through a Muslim United Front. But again, India, through its, uh, you know, wickedness, completely messed up that whole election. And then the army was called in. People of Kashmir were left with no other choice except to take onto the streets with whatever they could to fight that occupation. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? And, you know, this is something that India needs to learn, that people of Kashmir, if they're so sure that the people of Kashmir want to have, be part of India or they are part of India, I throw an open invitation to the whole government of India, to everybody, let's have a peaceful referendum, as was promised in the United Nations, mm. you know, over in 18 different resolutions. And if the people of Kashmir wholeheartedly choose to accede to the dominion of India, fine, then what's the issue? I Why not have a referendum? Let, 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 let me take that to um, Balakrishna right now. He's on the line right now and i'm sure he's been listening to this as he's been listening throughout the course of the program um this evening bala i mean again some very reasoned comments coming from one of our callers there um surely you can understand that see the the the, the problem is pakistan's commitment to uh, the so-called kashmir issue is so much of uh humbug because it was pakistan which has gifted 5,000 square kilometers of kashmiri territory to, to china so let Pakistan recover that, uh, that territory back from China and then talk of Kashmir, A. And B, the fact is that from 1947 onwards, regular elections have been held in Kashmir, with the most democratic elections under United Nations observers, and lakhs and millions of people have taken, back, uh, have taken part in this uh, kind of uh, democratic process. Now, how come? Why are we hiding the fact? How come suddenly there is this kind of you know, cry for Azadi? The whole of Jammu is totally peaceful. Therefore, India, the whole of Leh, Ladakh, it, it is with India. Only three districts in Kashmir, they are, there are kind of the troublemakers over there. And these are the ones who are being funded by the ISI. They are being funded by the Wahhabis. 
till the wahhabis came into the picture i repeat again and again till the wahhabis came into the picture kashmir was no problem it was only uh, when the uh, sufi uh, islam uh, was driven away from kashmir the whole problem started Zafar Sahib, what are you I saying? Sorry, sorry, I completely disagree with that. There is no Wahhabism in Kashmir. The Kashmir freedom struggle is indigenous. It has been proven over and over time, even according to the Indian military agency report, intelligence reports of uh, 2016 and 17. There have only been 182 insurgencies. Right? This is an indigenous movement. If it's not about communalism, it's not about Wahhabism. It's about right of self. Let me take that back to to Bala. Bala, you you stay. No, no, you stay on Indian soil. You stay on Indian soil, and if you if you stay, if you pick up the gun, and if you shoot Pakistan Zindabad, you will get lead in your head. But it's not it's Indian soil. Why no don't you get that? Right. It's not Indian oh, soil. Telling me, sorry. Let me just, let me just finish. Number one, the elections they are rigged. The elections are part of the puppeteer administrative government. They've never been fair. Even in 1953, United Nations resolution. Yeah. Condemn that completely. <clears throat> Let's have a fair election. And if you are sure, sure about uh, the integration of Kashmir with India, mm. let's have the referendum once and for all. Gotcha, right? Zafar Ahmed. Non-restricted the three districts. Uh, understood, Zafar. You've made your point. I really appreciate you calling as well. Keep listening to the program, and um, hopefully we can continue this conversation. I don't think we're going to solve it tonight. But let me go ahead and bring another guest that's been in the studio for the begin since the beginning of the program. He's been listening very attentively um, to everything that has. Been said from all our guests, and that is uh, another Zafar. Actually, Professor Zafar Iqbal, um, not our Zafar Iqbal Zafar Khan. Uh, um, it says Zafar Khan here. Actually, um, it says Zafar Iqbal here, but um, the name is Zafar Khan. Um, he's a local Kashmiri activist, and he's in the studio. Assalamualaikum, Zafar Khan sir. Waalaikum salam. Uh, thanks for joining us as well, Zafar Khan. <coughs> you've been listening to the program throughout the course of um, the program, and what's what, what's your what's going through your mind right now? Quite a lot, actually, um, is going through my mind, and um, um, I think here as a Kashmiri, um, as a Kashmiri, uh, I am being sort of uh, denied an identity and uh, the right to aspire, the right to aspire, and also the right um, to actually resist, if you like, the status quo. uh in uh, uh mm-hmm. kashmir mm. and uh, kashmir for me as a kashmiri is uh, all the parts of the state of uh, or the former kingdom of jammu kashmir um under pakistani and indian uh, control and um, so i find this uh, interaction particularly uh, from our um, um, our colleague here from india uh quite um, quite in fact uh, uh, disingenuous um yeah i think the main problem here is uh the uh, the issue of kashmir itself mm-hmm. as long as kashmir is a bone of contention mm-hmm. between india and pakistan yeah you may i think uh, with the gestures that um, pakistani government has made and i i i uh, i accept that and i also uh, i think it's a, it's a very good gesture uh, um um uh, you may have averted uh, a war um, but still i think uh, perhaps uh, uh, the word may is perhaps uh, uh, may be very important here um we're not out of the woods but 
Yeah. The world does not want a war at this very moment between India and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. The world does not want. It's not convenient. They, they, they may. Then I want to make this point yeah. because I've 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 listened to quite a lot here. Sure. Um, the world may be favorable to uh, Indian point of view, uh, and that's neither here nor there. But at this point, in the context of the present crisis, the world, starting from the <laughs> the strongest nation in the world, from America down to the tiniest, perhaps the Gulf state. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, other major states they do not want a war between india and pakistan okay so for concept let me do this let me go ahead and bring alex mayer on the line who's actually a member of the european parliament and he's on the line right now alex good evening good evening to you uh, thank you so much for joining us what's your perspective alex with regard to what's happening between pakistan and india what's from the uh, vantage point of the european parliament the gesture that pakistan made today towards india by returning the indian pilot who ejected and landed into the pakistani side of kashmir is that being viewed as something positive or is that being viewed as something cynical or, or what? what 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 say you um absolutely it's being viewed as something positive um so i'm, I'm the member of the european parliament uh, for luton and for the east of england um and the issues um, around what's happening um, in India and Pakistan are something that are talked about a lot in the European Parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a week and a half ago that we had a special hearing um, about Kashmir particularly. And I have to say, I have never seen one of the European Parliament committee rooms so full. And throughout it, um, I mean, at the beginning of what everyone said, first of all, um, there was condemnation um, of the attack that happened on the 14th of February. Mm-hmm. But after that, there was a real understanding that the core issue is about the ongoing situation in Kashmir and the terrible situation that people find themselves in, the use of pellet guns, rape, torture, um, and the fact that um, particularly um, the, the Indian government are just not taking um, the situation seriously. And we've got their soldiers blinding children, women, um, etc. And is, is, and is that a fact? Really I mean, Alex, um, Alex Mayer from, from the European Parliament, is that a fact? Because, I mean, we've, we've heard suggestions of this tonight on this programme from people calling in saying that the Indian government is effectively endorsing, condoning, is behind some of the, uh, many of the rapes, many of the torturing that's happening. Um, is that something that's a, uh, you know, a fact that we can verify from a parliament perspective? There are problems on both sides, but there are more problems um, on the Indian side. And if you look at the recent United Nations report, absolutely, I think Pakistan has to um, go through and and look at the the recommendations that the United Nations have made to them. But India has to go through the far more recommendations that are made uh, to them about the situation. Wow. So Um, what you're saying, Alex, sorry to interrupt you, because I really want to get this clear. I am a lay person here, um, Mm -hmm. and I just really want to get this clear so you're saying that the indians have more work to do on their side of course clearly there's work to be done on both sides absolutely acknowledged but you're saying that from your vantage point from the vantage point of the european parliament um there's a lot more work on the indian side 
that that is my personal view. And wow. Get anybody who wants to listen to uh, it's online. You can look at the hearing that happened about the situation um, in Kashmir. Mm. Um, that was the hearing that, that took place in the European Parliament. I think on the current situation, I think everyone wants to make sure um, that um, tensions are de-escalated. I don't think anybody at all wants to see um, a war between India and Pakistan, and therefore I absolutely welcome uh, the release um, of, of the pilots. I think that's a really good thing um, to have happened. And we've got to make sure that tensions are de-escalated, and I think that anyone who can play their part in that, be it the British government, be it um, the European Parliament, be it the United Nations, I think it's all so important um, because it will be innocent people that suffer um, if if tensions are allowed to continue to go up rather than down. Absolutely. I totally hear what you're saying and I really appreciate your calling tonight, Alex Mayer, from the European Parliament. Are you in Brussels right now? Uh, no, I'm, I'm back in England. I was in Luton um, um, a couple of hours ago. Lovely. Street, well, you should so, come and join yeah. us at Inspire and have a cup of tea at some point. Well, we, I, I drove past about an hour or so. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, in that case, I wish you a lovely weekend and thank you for sharing your perspectives and thanks thank for joining you, us on the line. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Oh, good evening. Yes, Zafar Saab, so you're in the studio as well. We've got Zafar Khan Saab, who's professor and expert and Kashmiri activist. Before I go back to Balakrishna, let's go back to... Zafar Khan, yes. I, I just, uh, I mean, where I left, and very ni- nicely, uh, Alex may, may has, uh, has uh, you know, said some things that perhaps, uh, uh, you know, she c- could be as neutral as anyone. Um, but um, I see, I was, I was saying that um, nobody wants, uh, in the world, nobody wants a war uh, between India and Pakistan at the moment, or perhaps... Uh, Generally speaking, also, it is not in anybody's interest. Perhaps, 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 um, I hope it is not also, it is also the same kind of view in India itself. Mm -hmm. But the kind of a belligerence that has been coming uh, from the the Modi government particularly, and uh, the spokesmen of uh, that that kind of uh, uh, sort of, uh, if you like, perspective, is really uh, a quite a, quite astonishing and also uh, you know uh, frightening, um, especially uh, in a view that there are I mean the two countries that we're talking about are nuclear powered countries, and uh, the volatility of the environment, the sort of a political animosity and the cleavage, historical cleavage, uh, is uh, as, you know the baggage. That, that both countries carry, you know, post-partition, uh, post-1947, uh, is so, uh, you know, so so problematic even to contemplate a, a conventional war uh, and and what a full-scale conventional war would lead to. Now, coming back to the, uh, the, the bone of contention, as long as you have that, you will always have this, uh, you know, sort of a danger of, a war existing between India and Pakistan. And if you have a war today, this war could lead to a nuclear uh, confrontation, which would not be in anybody's interest. Absolutely, that would be point, chaos. 1.5 billion people, mm. combined population of India and Pakistan, yeah. plus the neighboring countries, plus Bangladesh and other countries, yeah. it will be 
really devastating. It, it, it could even trigger World War yeah, III. Yeah. Catastrophic, yeah. catastrophic. What I, what I want to say here and what I want to leave uh, with your listeners Please. is that unless Kashmir is resolved, mm-hmm. and it's no good saying that Kashmir is ours, somebody says it's an integral part, somebody says it's a jugular van. No, Kashmir belongs to the mm. people of Kashmir, whether they live in Jammu, whether they live in the Valley of Kashmir, whether they live in Peer Panjal, whether they live in Chenab Valley, whether they live in Gilgit Baltistan or Ladakh or the areas that are known as Azad Jammu Kashmir. You see, Azad Jammu Kashmir as a territory mm. is an artificial territory because part of it uh, belongs to the Valley of Kashmir and part of it belongs to the, uh, the province of Jammu. Yeah. So therefore, you're talking about a total uh, landmass of Jammu Kashmir or known generally as Kashmir and about 20 million people. Mm-hmm. Now, what I have proposed and I have written to the Secretary General that the United Nations must play a robust role here and take over the territory and ask India and Pakistan to vacate the territory within three months and hold a fair and free and democratic referendum to find out the wishes of the people what they want to do with their future. So effectively, let the now, Kish- so yeah. I want to, mm. as a Kashmiri, mm. shut out the kind of jigoism that is emanating from whatever part of the subcontinent mm. and obliterating, if you like, the history of Kashmiri struggle. Now. Forget about what happened in Palwama or before that. There have been so many Palwamas committed by the Indian uh, occupation since 1947. Now, we are against violence. Violence must stop. And Kashmiri people must be allowed. And only, only authority, legitimate authority can do that is the United Nations. And that is where uh, uh, you will resolve this. As long as it remains unresolved, India and Pakistan are, you see, it's their first duty to ensure that they resolve their differences. But it seems, now, I'm Mm. I'm going to finish here. But it seems Mm. that the kind of voices that one hears and has been hearing over the past five, six days is that nobody in India, particularly those who are in power at the moment, uh, nobody from there, no voice is coming that is interested in reconciliation and resolving this issue. Now, sooner or later, peace will have to prevail and it will. all the roads for peace lead, lead uh, through Sirinagar, not through Delhi or Islamabad. They will have to actually resolve the question, as I think quite rightly, Zafar Qureshi has actually, you know, he gave you the history and that's the reality. Yeah. It's no good talking about, you know, this bit is China. Of course, China is holding a, a larger and larger bit of Aksai Chin, which is also part of the state of Jammu and Kashmir. So don't tell us a history selectively. If Pakistan gave, gave a five... Uh, you know, a, a bit of it, uh, Pakistan should not have given it. But India uh, India is also holding uh, Kashmir uh, against the will of the Kashmiri people. In fact, the presence of India and Pakistan yeah. we need to is the up. danger, is the danger to peace. I really appreciate your perspectives so passionately articulated there. So, Balakrishna, you've heard a lot of stuff there, a lot of feedback from um, a, lot yes. of, a lot of wishes for yes. peace as well. And, you know, Bala, you really need to understand yes. that actually um, there is a lot of love coming out of the conversation from those who I've heard from the Kashmiri side, from the Pakistani side. Why can't you return that love, Bala? 
we can return the love. You, need, you, you have ch- nothing against the people of. Listen to me. Listen, but, 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 but listen to me. You need to understand that Pakistan, regard, no, no, thing, this, regardless no, of what's no, happening no, in the no, past. No, Bala, we can speak over each other, but I'd like to be a gentleman, yeah. and I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like yeah. to let you speak, yeah, but you yeah. let me speak. But Bala, thank you so much. Here's what I'm trying to say to you: the Pakistani people today. Imran Khan has given back this Indian pilot. And, you know, one of the things that you said to me earlier, one of the things that you said to the listeners earlier was that he was tortured, he was injured, and he wasn't treated well. But we've just heard a member of the European Parliament acknowledge that the gesture Pakistan made was an excellent gesture. It's being received positively. Why can't you and those who support your views understand that and agree with that and try to create peace? India has been committed to peace from day one A. Mr. Narendra Modi, when he became the, the Prime Minister, for the first swearing-in of him as if to the office of Prime Minister, he invited Nawaz Sharif. Not only Nawaz Sharif, all the, the presidents and heads of states of the neighboring states. Yes. Narendra Modi took a huge risk, political risk in going to Lahore to go to the residence of Nawaz Sharif, and he put cake in his mouth to celebrate his Nawaz Sharif's birthday and offered peace. But every time India, the, the, the government of Pakistan and the government of India try to improve the relations, the ISA has been playing spoiled sport. Whether it is Patan court, soon after uh, Modi's meeting with uh, Nawaz Sharif started in Lahore, within a, within a week there was an attack okay, on uh, the Balakrishna, t- tell me one thing, Balakrishma. Do you remember the rape that happened in um, uh, the Handwara incident in 2004? Uh, it was it was perpetrated by no, I, Indian Army. Do you remember the rape that happened on Zero Bridge in 2004? What about the Sinegar in 1997? What about Woodworn in 1995? What about in, in, in what, what about in Kangan? A woman and her 12-year-old daughter were raped by Indian security forces at the uh, Thino Budathmathri. That's that's serious stuff. No, no so, this is not known. It's 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 going on. No, no, we, the, the question is. Now, Bala, will you, you condemn rape? You can't will be you on Indian rape? soil. No, 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 no. Will you condemn you'll get bullet in your head. Bala, Bala, listen. Will you condemn the rape yeah. that yeah. the Indian army is perpetrating on the Muslims in Kashmir? Answer the question. Do you condemn it? Do, do you condemn? Do you condemn that 3.5 Kashmiri pandits were kicked out of the valley do by the Wahhabi uh, Islamists? Sir, sir. Do you condemn that? Do you condemn Answer that? Answer the yeah, question. You silly man, you disgusting man, you don't condemn rape against women? Did you know that India has a rape problem? Did you know that 106 women are being raped? You disgusting man condoning rape, not willing to condemn rape? Get off my show and don't you ever return. Listeners, Friday Night Live, we'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live on the 1st of March 2019. I'm your host, Abdel Akbar. Wow. What an action-packed program it's been so far. And we had a slightly abrupt ending there in part three. And the reason why is because I can't stand people 
who can't condemn things for what they are especially when it comes to incidents like rape i'm sorry it's unacceptable but you have to condemn rape in whatever shape or form it takes place and you know what if it was pakistani side causing an incident like rape i will condemn it but we know that there is a problem with rape in india we know that India has a rape crisis and that crisis unfortunately has been spilling into Kashmir and it is documented in many places. You just have to go online and do a little bit of searching to understand the amount of rapes that have taken place by the Indian security forces in the Kashmiri area and it is unacceptable and all I did is I asked my guest and he's welcome to come back on his program and make his point on 01582481822 I'm very welcome to have him back and make his point and condemn the question that I was asking him which is does he condemn the rapes that have taken place by Indian security forces in Kashmir and he wasn't prepared to answer that question and therefore I am not prepared to have individuals like that on this program any longer I'm sorry that's the last straw if you're not willing to condemn something basic as that something inhumane as that then I'm sorry you cannot continue on this program you can give me a call. What do you reckon? 01582481822. Of course, we have been talking about the situation with Pakistan versus India. It sounds as though general appetite for the gesture that Pakistan made towards India by returning the pilot this evening is being received positively. We've heard from lots of guests tonight. We heard from Alex Mayer. Member of European Parliament um, giving her perspectives on this situation. And, you know, quite frankly saying there's more for the Indians to do and resolve than there is for the Pakistanis to do. But that's her perspective and she emphasised that. We also had on the line Asad Mahmood from the Pakistani Tariq in Saaf again saying that this is a gesture of peace. But one of my guests, Bala Krishna, was just not willing to accept the gesture. Why not, Bala? Come on. And the sad thing is, the disturbing thing is, that there are people like Bala who agree with him. And that's where we have work to do. Where we have to get in touch with these people and we have to help them understand that Pakistan is on the premise of peace. And that Imran Khan reached out to the Indian government as a gesture of peace. Please don't look at anything else behind that because really um, it's unfortunate if people are thinking that. Anyway, I want to go on to my next story, but you can give me a call on 01582481822 to comment on this topic as well. But I do want to go on to the Shamima Begum topic, which is, um, you know, we, we, we covered this topic last week in some detail and we do have her lawyer on the line whom we'll be going to very, very soon. But you know that Shamima and her Begum, we've heard, have been moved from a Syrian refugee camp after threats were made against them, according to the lawyer. Now, the 19-year-old and her son were moved from the Al-Hawl camp in the north of the country to another site nearer to the Iraqi border. Joining us on the line right now is Shamima's lawyer, Tasneem Ankunji. Uh, good evening, Tasneem. Hello there. Thanks for joining us. Tasneem, what's the latest in Shamima Begum's situation so far as you can share with us? Well, we, we know she's been moved. We don't actually know where to yet, basically. So um, we understand she'd received some threats uh, from ISIS hardliners who took umbrage 
to the fact that uh, she'd showed her face on on television. So she her her tent was threatened to be burned down, and her harm to her child and herself was threatened. So the uh, the authorities in the camp decided to move her, um, and we're just trying to trying to make a connection with where she may be now. Understood. And um, are, are, we, are you hearing that these hardliners may have been from the so-called Islamic State, or were they other people just in the camp that had, that had heard that Shamima had shown her face on television? Right. So the, the camp uh, Al-Hajj was um, divided up into different sections. And there's the ISIS section, and there are other sections. So the section that she was destined to be placed in was in the section that deals with um, ISIS, but the threats emanated from, from their areas. Got it. Makes sense. Um, and with regard to Shamima and her son, and especially the family back home in the UK, in East London, um, what's happening with regard to the case with the Home Office? Are you taking that further? And are you trying to get her citizenship back? Yeah, so um, in terms of Shamima's appeal, we're actively working to, to engage that. That requires a certain amount of administration before it can be launched, and that's what we're churning through at the moment. Okay, fair enough. And what exactly are the next steps and what are the obstacles you're facing? Have you had a chance to speak to Sajid Javed himself? And has he actually maybe softened his posturing towards Shamima's case? So you're asking if Sajid Javed is soft? Well, I'm just saying, has he, has he shown any sympathy since the last time we heard about him? Oh, I see. No, uh, he hasn't. No, I mean, the family lost, um, made a communication appeal directly to him uh, in lesser form. So... He, they asked and posed the question, given that he'd removed um, Shamina's child's ability to avail itself of citizenship rights, thereby leaving him stranded, really, uh, in a camp. What was Sergeant Javed's practical, mechanical steps he's going to take to give that British citizen, that child, um, his rights? And we've been met with uh, resounding silence so far. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, thanks for sharing um, the update there, uh, Tasneem Ankanji, and we'll be following the story as we do on Friday Night Live as the, the weeks progress. Thanks for sharing the update. Okay, listeners, that was the lawyer of Shamima Begum, um, especially from the family side here in the UK, sharing an update with us. So we can see that um, the latest is that Shamima actually is still in the Syrian camp and she has been moved somewhere, but the family and the team are still trying to identify where and trying to get clarity with regard to her safety. All right, that's the latest update there. Um, we do have calls coming in as well on other topics. So if you do want to give us um, a call and you can't get through, give us a call on 01582481822 um, and we will get to your question and your comment if you have any as soon as we can. But I do want to go on to my next topic as well, which is a, a very sensitive topic and it is the topic of um, what to do when we die. Now, of course, living in the UK, it is a slightly different procedure to maybe if you're living in a Muslim country. However, we all need to face the eventuality of death. And the question is, how do you deal with that? How does the Muslim community deal with that in the UK? What are the procedures? What do you have to do? And I'm very lucky to be joined by some very special guests in the studio right now. I have um, Abbas Shafi Saab, who is the chair of the uh, Central Funeral Service. In fact, he's coming on, on the line in a moment. Um, I have also um, Imam Akhtar Ali, 
on the line as well, and he's going to be um, helping us out answering some questions. Salam alaikum, Imam Sab. Wa alaikum salam, rahmatullahi Thank you so much for joining us. Alhamdulillah, Imam Sab. We're live on the radio right now. Um, Imam Sab, just tell us. I know you um, have a short time before you have to actually go and lead the prayer as well. But have you finished with prayer, or you, is there a prayer happening? Uh, no, we still have to lead the prayer. You have to lead the prayer. Okay, so how long do you have roughly? I have about uh, five minutes. Five minutes, inshallah. Okay. So, uh, Imam Saab, of course, from your experience, um, when families uh, lose a loved one, um, generally, from your experience, what are the most important things that they need to be aware of in order to make sure that they conduct the rites and the funeral in the correct way? If you can summarize, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, just a quick summary from the question uh, which you have asked, mashallah. Uh, simple Islam, uh, when in Islam, if we lose our close friend or relative, uh, we, when we lose that person, that relation uh, still stays there, that connection with that person still stays there. Stays there. That's what we are told and encouraged in the Ahadith as well. Uh, the Prophet sallallahu incited us to keep that connection if that person has passed away. Mm. Uh, Say that uh, when a person passes away, you should uh, sit near him. I mean, even before he passes away, just those few moments, those few minutes or seconds before his soul is uh, about to depart and end up in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, uh, the Prophet said you should make him uh, ready, uh, prepare him for his akhirah. Uh, you should help him to focus uh, on his next life inside this Raya scene. Sharif next to him, do the zikr of Allah, recite the root of the Prophet make his mind focus that he's about to leave this temporary world and go into the life hereafter, which is uh, forever. Uh, and then after he's passed away, Prophet said it is duty upon the Muslims, uh, his uh, brothers, his uh, family, to take care of him, handle him with care, uh, treat him like as if he is still living. Uh, uh, we assume that person's uh, his soul is taken out. He can't feel. He can't sense anything. But the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in a narration that Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that uh, it's narrated by Hazrat Aisha. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that um, breaking the bone of a deceased person is the same as breaking his bone when he is alive. Subhanallah. So, so, so Imam Sab, Imam Sab, sorry to interrupt you. Um, sorry to yep. interrupt your flow there, but just a quick question on that point, if I may, which is, yep. um, you know, if if we have a deceased person, or if we have a, a brother or a sister, family member, friend, die in front of us, wh- mm-hmm. what are the very first things we should do? Um, of course, we've got to the treat... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. The first thing that we need to do is uh, have their face uh, facing towards the Qibla. Okay. I mean, that should be done uh, even before they pass away. I mean, when we see that that person uh, toward the end of his time face their uh, face towards the Qibla, mm-hmm. without be done if they are on a bed. So we'll face their legs towards the Qibla street, okay. towards the uh, direction. So the face is facing towards the Qibla. So after they've passed away, we are told to sort of wrap a... Uh, what about like the eyes? A, if the eyes are open, do you have to close the eyes? We should, uh, we should close the eyes. The eyes should be closed. The eyes should mm. be closed. The mouth should be closed as well. And the hand should be placed uh, on the sides uh, of the person, not on the stomach, on the tummy. Okay, Jazakallah yeah. And in terms of... And also, just carrying on from that, the G. feet, uh, they should also be tight as well. The feet, as feet well. should be tight, uh, the, toes. the toes. The toes should yeah, be tied. Uh, and why should the toes be tied? What's the reason for that? Oh, so the legs, they don't sort of... Uh, uh, 
fall apart or I mean that looks wrong for a dead person when they are passing away. Okay. So to keep their body together, because yeah, they have no uh, control over their body. Mm-hmm. That's why we are told to tie a strip around the face as well uh, to keep the mouths closed mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and to tie a strip uh, on the toes as well to keep the legs together. Okay, and then you wrap the body. Yeah. And then, uh, yes, I mean, afterwards, then you uh, take it to the ghusl uh, khana where you watch the body do the ghusl and all that. Then all that takes place. And what about, um, Imam Sahib, what about um, the hospital normally takes the body and, and, and they do stuff with the body, I mean, like clean it, for example. Um, is, mm-hmm. it, is it possible for the family members to clean the body or do you have to have a nurse? If, if, if the hospital allows the family members to clean the body, uh, uh, then uh, obviously there's reward uh, for that as well to clean the body. But do keep in mind when the cleaning is being taken place in the hospital, that will not be the cluster of the whistle because that, that's not whistle. A lot of people have a wrong, uh, they mm-hmm. go wrong here. They say when the body is taken into the hospital for cleaning, that's cluster of whistle. Right. Well, I've heard some cases, that's not cluster of whistle. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Makes sense. And Imam Sahib, just one other question, and maybe I can yep. talk about this um, with uh, my other guest in the studio, whom I'll introduce in a moment. But, yep. um, you know, a lot of our brothers and sisters, like when our parents and aunties and uncles pass away, we send them mm-hmm. back to Pakistan, we send them back to Bangladesh or back home, wherever mm-hmm. they may come from. And obviously, mm-hmm. the body has to go through a process called embalming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which involves chemicals being injected in the body and and and, and quite a lot of trauma, if you if you like, mm-hmm. maybe. And you mentioned earlier that obviously we should treat the body as though it's alive. Uh, yep. And you quoted this hadith, uh, Imam Saab. So what's yep, yep. what's the recommendation with regard to that um, difficult decision that some people have to make regarding embalming? In regards to that, I mean, we do have the uh, narration of the Prophet sallallahu so, alaihi so. wasallam. He said a person should be buried quick in the place where he has uh, passed away. Mm. I mean, if someone passes away, in, for example, in Luton, then what we are told is to uh, bury that person in Luton. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, uh, when we look at our family relations or uh, stuff like this, then when we have no choice, for example, maybe someone who was uh, in England, he passed away, and he's no relatives here, all his relatives are in Pakistan or Bangladesh or India. Yeah. Uh, for for I mean, tough choices, sometimes you have to make, and then you have to take them uh, back to uh, the other country. What best is to uh, have them buried at the place uh, where they have passed away. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, Imam Saab, we'll leave yeah. it at that because I know you have to um, go back to your duties. Um, but I really appreciate your time on the program tonight. Exactly. Jazakallah. It's been great talking to you live on radio. And assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, let's go ahead and let me introduce my uh, other guest in the studio here as well. Um, it is um, Muhammad Waliyat, um, who's um, a volunteer from the Central Mosque. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah. So I heard some amazing news, um, which I didn't wasn't aware of, but I, I, I believe there's a leaflet as well, which is uh, Central Mosque in Luton is actually rolling out a free janaza service. Tell us a bit more about that, inshallah. Uh, yes, uh, we launched a service from Central Masjid uh, today uh, regarding a free janaza service. Uh, this means a service. Uh, it means that you know the third party costs we still have to be uh, is they still have to be paid by the the C's family so uh, third party costs are uh, things like uh, the burial ground itself uh, the uh, chamber if somebody wants to bury their loved ones in the chamber and uh, the digging process etc but the rest of the service that is uh, i mean it's got quite a, a lot attached to it mm. is all free Mashallah. So, so just to clarify, so what you what you will provide is everything that happens effectively in the mosque. 
Um, so, for example, the ghusl, the washing of the body, um, the the salat al janaza, all of that is going to be covered by the mosque itself. Yes, and the, uh, the actual ghusl package will be provided by the masjid, and right. even the coffins, which uh, you know, wooden coffins cost quite a bit. Gigi. They'll be provided by the masjid. But Inshallah. if somebody's got the money, uh, you know, if he wants to pay for it, and, uh, you know, the, the masjid will take the money for it. But at the moment, like, it's provided in the service. Mashallah, because there might be a lot of people who might not be able to afford that. And it's, I guess it's mainly targeted at those members of the community. Yes, it's open to everyone, but targeted to those people. Yes, the service was designed just for the, you know, the weaker people of the community who are not on a, a you know, a high bread line and they just get by day to day. This service was specially designed for that. And it, it come by because Central Masjid uh, done a, uh, well, extension of 4 million plus. So they had a brilliant space to do a lot of other services that they could provide, which they have started. Mashallah. Many, many services they're providing. And this was uh, the idea of the committee. Uh, they gave a remit to a subcommittee, which I'm involved in. Uh, it's a volunteers committee. Right. To uh, you know, They gave us the terms and reference and uh, designed a service for this specially, which is uh, taken a while, but Alhamdulillah is uh, launched today. Amazing news. Well, we, on, on, on that note, we do have Abbas Shafi on the line as well, who's the chair of the Central Funeral Service. Asalaamu Alaikum, Abbas. Thank you so much for joining us. So, uh, Abbasab, you're actually involved in, in this setup as well, I guess. Yes, I am indeed. And, and let me go ahead and congratulate you on behalf of the people of Luton for really um, leading the way here, I would say, because it's the first time I've, I've seen and heard of such a service. Uh, what, what led to you um, creating this alongside volunteers like Muhammad Walayat in the studio here? What, what, what led to this? Well, uh, it was... Uh, Generally, seeing the situation with the burials in our town and in the country at large, year by year, they're getting more and more expensive, and people's incomes are not increasing in line with inflation. And it's very, very difficult for somebody, an uh, average family, to fork out three to four thousand pounds for a burial. Mm. Uh, however, we're lucky in our community that most people are part of a death committee whereby you pay a subscription. 15, 20 pounds a year, and then it all gets pulled together for if and when that money is needed for a burial. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of people, uh, youngsters in uh, Luton, are not members of these committees necessarily, or people that have come from other towns who don't necessarily have links to their parents' villages back home anymore. So therefore, it's important for us, we felt, to provide a service which is initially at cost-based only. Mm -hmm. So the service element is free, However, where we have to pay third parties, as Bible mentioned, for land, digging and chamber, then we will need to request that money. However, if a person is not able to pay that, then as an organization, what we'd like to do is be in a position where we can pay for that and uh, where people can pay for these things, then inshallah, they'll not only pay the subsidized costs that we're asking for payment for, but they'll pay extra knowing that that money that will be deposited to central fuel service account will only be used for this purpose. So therefore, any excess donations will be for other families 
or individuals who can't afford the janaza. That makes a lot of sense. And who is this service aimed at? Is it only for the people of Luton um, uh, and, and the residents of Luton, or is this aimed at everyone? Just so we can clarify that for the listeners. Uh, initially, it's aimed for Luton residents, mm-hmm. purely because the figures quoted in our leaflet they are for Luton residents because these charges are made by Vale Cemetery mm-hmm. in Luton and the council has different rates for people that are not taxpayers, council taxpayers in Luton. Okay. So for example, we're dealing with a brother right now who's formerly from Syria and he's in a care home in on the outskirts of Dunstable and he's coming towards the end of life. And we're dealing with his situation now. We're trying to give him as much support as we can now. But if and when he does pass away, then, inshallah, we will support him. However, the cost that we would pay for the land will be a lot higher by the council. I see, because he hasn't paid council tax, that's why, I guess. That's why he's not a resident in Luton. He may well have paid council tax in another town. Oh, okay. But because he doesn't have any family or anyone to look after him, Mm -hmm. uh, and we've, inshallah, taken him on as um, mashallah that's, that's amazing bro honestly i mean um it, this uh this is amazing because um you know i really hope that other mosques not just in luton but um in peterborough and sheffield and nottingham and derby those who are listening to tonight's program really take inspiration it could be that other mosques are do have similar programs like this as well let's be clear um but i think this is a great step um towards helping the community right and really supporting those in need. And I really wish you and all the brothers who are organizing this um, uh, the, the best of success. Jazakallah khair for joining us in the program. Well, thank you very much. But if I can just clarify one point. Please. It's not just for the needy. This service... For everyone, will sure. Give, ...will give the best of service to millionaires... Amazing. <laughs> Mashallah. ...on the bread line. Mashallah. For everybody. That's amazing. ...the best of service possible. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I really Thank appreciate that. Thank you for that. your time. Jazakallah khair. Okay, So, uh, Muhammad Waliyat Sahib, we have a few minutes left, so let me ask you some questions, which is, um, are you experienced in conducting um, ghusl and funerals yourself? No, we have uh, we have arranged two courses. I haven't attended it, Masha. but I don't normally do the ghusl. We've got at least about eight to ten people training it. Eight to ten normally people. Normally, it's the imams of the masjid, the office of the masjid who do the ghusl. But we've planned this from A to Z, you know. Mashallah. So, Alhamdulillah, there's everybody training the right fields, you know. There's a team of you, huh? Yeah, there's yeah. a, a I think good. 25, 30 people, but we're still looking for volunteers. A few football teams, mashallah. Yeah. mashallah. Uh, one thing we did not mention, Gee. I think uh, everybody must know, if there's any lavaris, anybody dies who's got nobody to look after, that's a totally free janaza for. Sorry. If he's got nobody, we will handle everything from A to Z, all for free. Allah and you was talking about embalming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very lucky at the moment with PIA. As long as we have zinc-lined Coffins going back. Mm-hmm. We don't need to get the bodies embalmed. Seriously, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So a zinc. If you have a, if you, so I, I thought it's it's a regulation in this country. So it's not a regulation. You as long as you have the right type of coffin and equipment to transport the body. 
Uh, no, it's regarding the airlines, whichever airlines oh, insist okay. on the PIA airlines because it, it, it was a, a solely a Muslim airline. Yeah. They decided not to, you know, get the embalming done because of the uh, everything that goes with it. You see, so the big process, yeah, the uh, whole process and, is and not. And a, and a lot of Pakistanis, Muslims, Bangladeshi brothers and sisters don't know that. They they just think, yeah, the body's just going to get to the other side. But actually, it goes through a process which is quite. I mean, I, I would encourage people to Google it, like Google the embalming process. And it's deep. It's uh, it's not a very comfortable process for the body at all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, mm. I mean, as like the Imam said, our best bet is if anybody passes away from our families, mm-hmm. we should bury them here and straight away. And that's the sunnah. Should, yeah, that's, that's the sunnah, sunnah, right? Yeah. We shouldn't delay it. But say for some reason somebody's taken it mm. in Pakistan, I mean, we've been very lucky with the PIA. And, Mashallah. you know, they. I need to mention this. Gee. PIA doesn't charge you any money for a body to go back home i mean really yeah they the, don't the, the, charge a single no, penny no ticket fee nothing like that absolutely nothing Amazing. the only thing they charge is a very small admin fee it depends on the weight of the body yeah. but it's very very small gotta say you guys at central mosque are rocking and jazakallah um for for covering this story with us tonight jazakallah thank you very much for inviting us and tell all your family and friends always a pleasure jazakallah well listeners this has been friday night live tonight it's been an action packed show don't forget you can listen back to the program on inspirefm.org and click on the Friday Night Live show link um, you can also watch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirefmluton and watch the video feed to the program as well well that's it from me for this day here in the UK I'm going back to my home in the UAE but somebody will be back next week to cover all the hot topics until then Assalamualaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.